today on the show, Craig Torres. Guy's the founder of Hop City. This is going to be awesome. I know. What a cool interview this was. If you're in the Atlanta market or Birmingham, Alabama, you've probably heard of Hop City. This was really cool. We got to hear a story. Yeah. The founding story was amazing. And then this guy capitalized on opportunity when it fell in his lap. Man. It, it was awesome. I hope you stick with us to the end. Folks, it's Craig Torres, founder of Hop City. Thank you for calling Launch and Go. This is Darren. Darren, hey, this is uh, Russian President Putin calling for hey, you. Hey, Vladimir, how are you today? I'm doing good. I call for make thank you. It's nice. Make thank you? What yes, do you mean by yes. that? Well, you know, in business, Darren, you ever have these, uh, say, these opportunities that, uh, you know, kind of fall in your lap? Like, like, like a warm kitty jumping lap and he's nice, he's petting for his like very good. You know, in my country, in Russia, right? They mm-hmm. have, uh, you know, people look at me as President Putin is tough. You know, I walk around yeah, tough. Sure. I, I get on horseback without shirt. It's nice. People look at me. <laughs> Sorry, they bring me vodka. It's nice. You okay there? No, I need drink. Yeah? Okay. It's good. Right. But anyway, you know, you walk around. I have horseback, no shirt, you know, yeah. very tough. Maybe you should drink and less that, vodka and you wouldn't do that. No, his vodka is life. Okay, he, yeah. What the hell? There, you, you've not been <laughs> Russia. It's crazy. All right, all right. So your president, uh, Trump, he come along and, uh, you know, take my nutties. And take your what? Squeeze Excuse? My thing, you know, is, uh, how you say it? Oh, he uh, grabbed uh, you by the balls. Yes, okay. thank you very gotcha. much, yes. And uh, he uh, treat me bad. He, he uh, tossed me around like a rag doll. Okay. He's bad, he's good. You know, it's good for you, it's bad for me. People look at me like, oh, look at the weak Mr. Putin. Mm-hmm. He makes so, me mad. Hold on, Piss hold on. me off so, a little bit. But now, I don't know what happened there. Look, like you guys uh, elect this uh, Biden? Yeah, yeah. What the Biden, hell is wrong with you? President Biden? This guy, I love. Okay. Well, let me tell you, uh, Mr. Biden, I say to him, uh, you know, this is what I want. I give him all these demands. Mm-hmm. You know what he said to me? What? What else you want? Oh! oh! Thank you, Mr. President. Evan Jacko, the vodka. It's dog. I'm going to kill this guy. He's so slow bringing me my vodka. Are you sure Uh, President Biden actually knew what you were asking? I don't. He looked like he did. (laughs) Well, how? You guy, you elect him. I not elect. He's crazy. Listen, how did he respond when he, you know, when you asked him a question? What was his reply? He say like this, Darren. Yes. Yes. That's yes, it? Yes. Oh, everything. Okay. And what else can I do for you, is Mr. Putin? I say, uh, a little bit more money. He say, yes. It's, I love the, oh yeah, I just call, because I know you guys do, I, have these, I love the podcast, by the was way. That, it's was nice. that President Biden or his son that you were talking to? I don't care. They all make <laughs> same decision. It's nice for me. It's good. Okay. I love the podcast. You know, I call yes. and I like the podcast. We appreciate you I listening. just call and say thank you. Please elect more wimpies. I like I, the uh, wimps. You know. Um, They're nice. They give I, me lots of money. Well, that's your opinion. And we have no, to respect No, it's good that. opinions. Okay. Please, uh, Mr. Right. Americans and Mrs. Okay. Americans, you please uh, 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 elect more wimpies. Thanks. Thank you very much, uh, Darren. Thank you for the podcast. Have a great day. Welcome to Beer and Business. You found the best podcast for entrepreneurs. 
We serve crafty business knowledge, comedy, and yes, beer. And now it's time for our hosts. If he were to pat you on the back, you'd list it on your resume. It's Jake Mullins. And his beer never gets warm. It just sits there, staying frosty, waiting for him. Mr. John Winnie. And if you spell his name in Scrabble, you automatically win. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Darren Flanagan. Craig Torres, welcome to the Beer and Business Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. No, I'm thrilled. I feel like we have the Dalai Lama of beers in the studio. Where? Where is he? (laughs) Yes. um, I'm getting on my knees and going to braise him in a minute. Yeah. I know. (laughs) We are are in the uh, presence of greatness, so I'm I'm really glad to have you here. But before we get into your your great story, which I'm so excited to hear about, we are drinking the official beer of the Beer and Business Podcast, Lion Mm -hmm. Creek Brewing. Uh, we have started, Craig and I are drinking Knucklehead. It's a fruited IPA with hints of mango, passion fruit, and peach. It's and delicate. Get, it's, a, it's, not, uh, it's not an over-the-top fruited IPA. It's, it's not. And for those that like danky IPAs, this has got a little bit of a dank taste to it. I would say it's a, dank adjacent. Yeah. It, thank you. very. Yeah. See, is I that, am in the presence of beer greatness right that, now. Is that a real beer term? It is now. He just coined dank, it. Just, I made it up. Yeah. Well, I didn't know if dank was a, a beer term. Usually it's associated with uh, some other type of thing similar no, to No, it's hop, actually but, a beer term. Okay. I'm just, we, we use that for beer, for I sure. Learn them all as we go along. I mean, people come up to me afterwards and they're like, hey, tell me about, and I'm like, Hell, I don't know. <laughs> it tastes like beer and it's good. Yeah. Hazy, juicy. I got those down dry. I could tell you the difference between beer. No, this one's actually really good because I can pick up the the fruitiness mm-hmm. and it does have that little bit of dankness in the smell and the taste, okay. which okay. I, I like. I don't like them when they're overly dank. Like I am not into those. Yeah. This is not by any means, uh, I wouldn't describe this as a hot bomb by any stretch. It's yeah. uh, it's delicately fruity um, and it is on very much on the nose. It's It smells like a mango. Yeah. And I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but the fruit is much more subtle on the palate. I think we should have you in every week to describe the beers we're drinking. That'd be great. I'm all for it. I'm used to Darren going, mm-hmm, it's good, it's good. <laughs> well, I know the other facts about this beer. I mean, why they called it Knucklehead. I mean- Why did they call it Knucklehead? That's important. There's a group of um, fans, fans for uh, Atlanta United, and they're called the Knuckleheads. So they made this beer- in honor oh, of those, those, I did not pick up Atlanta on that. United fans. Yeah, I didn't know that either. The other sneaky thing about this is it says it's a six point four. It, it's probably like an eight point five. So I Oof. do tell people drink it and drink it with caution. It's a session beer by today's standards. I was going to yeah. say, I looked at the can. I was like, this this will be perfect. This will get us started today. Yeah. But now now it'll really get us started. Yes, you could probably tell us more about that. You know, putting fresh fruit into a beer and kind of how it really affects it. it gives it a little more punch sometimes for sure i mean so. it's uh, fruit is chock full of sugar mm-hmm. and uh, sugar will ferment as sugar does and yep. uh, it does tend to add a little bit of uh original gravity to it um <laughs> that a little punch indeed have, we have we need them on the show and what and what are you drinking there you're drinking something I'm drinking different a renegade i'm drinking it's a dark lager it is just that oh, beer is such a, a sneaker. It does not taste like it looks. Yeah. I love that beer. Yeah. Uh, I'm a sucker for dark lager though. I mean, it's, um, you know, we talked about trips to Europe and, and mm-hmm. yeah. drinking in Germany. Um, I don't think we fully appreciate dark lagers. No. Nope. Um, cause everybody was always like, Oh, well, it's dark. Therefore it's heavy. No, that's yep. as light as all day. 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't taste like it looks. Indeed. No, not at all. And it's only a 4.2. So that is a true session. So does that mean like eight and a half or what does that mean? So you're, you're, you're doing weird <laughs> math know, here. I don't well, know. Weird math. What this is. No, as you said, there's no fruit in it. So there's no fermentation that we know about. And uh, it comes out as a 4.2. So you could, you could probably do a two to one ratio or one and a half to one. If you're drinking knucklehead versus renegade. Nice. I say one of us will be lucid at the end of this. (laughs) We hope. Well, you have to start lucid and we're talking about Darren (laughs) Flanagan, which is just, yeah, it's just Darren Flanagan. Um, yeah. And and you're right. I think the biggest thing about dark lagers, the biggest evidence that we don't appreciate them here in the States is you can't find them anywhere. Not just that, but uh, whenever I'm, I'm, I know a little bit about selling beer uh, in I'd Georgia. Hope so. Yeah. And uh, I will say we, we just don't sell dark lagers particularly well. And it, it, oh, it doesn't yeah. matter how much I, I, you know, preach the wonders of them and talk about how awesome they are. It just, it scares the, the complexion scares people off. Yep. So we want to remind people, please support the brewery line Creek, go down to Peachtree city, spend some time in there, meet the staff. They're great. The brewery is beautiful. Get some fresh beer. Or you can go to, a, I know somebody that owns a pretty cool beer shop that you could probably get this at. Do you? Yeah. His name is Craig. Yay. That's me. Uh, yeah. We, we love Line Creek, by the way. We have a, our newest spot is a Barley Garden and Hop City over in uh, Trillith, it's called now. Yeah. It's yeah. Like right over by the movie. Um, Not confusing at all. I know, right? Rolls right off the tongue. Yeah. It yeah. used to be Pinewood, now Trillith. But yeah, yeah, you guys opened up just a few months ago yeah. over there, right? July, yeah. July. So, uh, <laughs> so we do have the full lineup of Line Creek beers over there in um, in Fayetteville. So come, come see us. Good time to open up a new uh, location right there in the midst of COVID. I I got, I, boy, we could do a podcast on just that story. (laughs) Uh, It was, uh, it was quite an adventure. We might have to. So I want to take you, so for our listeners that are tuning in for the first time, don't know who you are, Craig. So you own, you started a company called Hop City. I did. And I will tell you my experience. The first time I went into one of your locations, I walked in and saw so much beer from around the world. I literally got weak in the knees. I think I dropped down to my knees, passed out, blacked out for a minute. And then I realized, oh my God, this is where I'm meant to be. Spent a lot of money that day, sir. Well, you're, you're very kind. I, we, we love what we do. I'm uh, an absolute fanatic about beer. And uh, I, I'm really, my, my favorite thing in the entire world is to just share my passion. Just to sit, awesome. in, sit within the shelves and, and talk about beer and tell you stories about brewers or styles or what have you. And get paid to do it. I know, right? Better. Best job ever. It's awesome. I'm starting to rethink my entire career. Mm. Interesting. You want to go work for Craig? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So uh, when did you get started? So we opened hop, our very first hop study opened in 2009. Um, and which, by the way, also a, uh, a recession back then. So uh, uh, a bit of a recession, little tiny bit. Yeah, <laughs> good timing, doesn't it? Right. I, uh, I I really have to rethink some of my, my decisions. <laughs> Your timing uh, is awesome. I know, right? Actually, that, but that's part of why that's that's sort of the origin story, though, right? So I yeah. um, I it's a bear market. Let me open up some yeah. another yeah. place. So I I owned um, this is not my first business. Okay. So I, I used to own a collision repair facility, uh, Collision Works Auto Body Experts. Wait a minute. You went from <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I call it vertical integration, right? So <laughs> vertical integration. Well, you're going to drink something, and then anyway, drunk driving, and uh, so not, I can and not that we can, you know endorse that or, or condone that, but <laughs> it happens. <laughs> so you might as well capitalize. On yeah. it. Um, but no, in, in all seriousness, I owned a, a body shop, and uh, I had sold my body shop, and then I just assumed I would go out and either found a new one or you know sort of stay in that career path. Um, did you have a background in doing body work or did you just kind of slip and fall into the business? Like I'm, I'm really curious now. 
see, look at this. I'm already, I'm, I'm laying little uh, Easter eggs for that. <laughs> you are, man. <laughs> um, no, I, I actually had a background in insurance claims. So I was a okay. claims adjuster and then very, eventually a claims manager for, for a big insurance company. Body shop adjacent. qualifies you to work on cars and do auto body repairs because you're a claims adjuster. Well, it's not so much of that, but when you think about um, how do you run a successful body shop, right? It's sales. Uh, right. You can't really just stand out in the corner and be like, hey, your car's wrecked, come over and see me. It's more about getting that referral business, right? It's mm-hmm. all referral business. That's the entire secret to collision repair. So well, who better to refer you than people who work in the insurance industry? Right. So we were a preferred repairer for 13 different insurance companies. Um, it worked, my relationships helped a lot that was sort of the value added for me. I didn't, you didn't want me fixing the car as much as you wanted me to uh, encourage the insurance company to bring the car to us. Gotcha. Interesting, yeah. man. Yeah. So, uh, so I just assumed that's what I would be doing. And uh, I went to go work for a, a chain a, a, and I ran a body shop for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is after you sold? After I sold. And I, like, like I said, and then this recession came along and I was kind of expensive and they laid me off. And so I had this dusty business plan on the shelf for a beer store right? Because you, you guys have been to Bruise Nails over in Asheville, right? Uh, and no, Darren? In, in uh, Asheville? It's like Mecca. It, it is tiny, but it's super awesome. Bruise mm-hmm. Nails in Asheville? Mm-hmm. Oh, North Carolina. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I may have stumbled in and out of there once or twice. Uh, it's super awesome. And yeah. uh, anyway, so I'm like, why why doesn't Atlanta have one of these? This, okay. this place, every every city in America should have mm-hmm. a place where that, that focuses on beer and can talk about beer anyway. So I had this business plan. And I just never thought I'd, you know, it's the kind of thing I did for fun, never thinking that I'd, I'd do anything with it. And then all of a sudden I had free time. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I took the business plan back out and um, started looking for spots and started looking for capital. And uh, did I mention the recession part? Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was kind Hard of a- to get capital, really. Oh, that was, was terrible. time. Yeah. No, no exaggeration. 32 different banks turned me down. Really? That is no a true kidding. story. Yeah. So did you do the typical, let me go to friends and family first, then go to um, private equity and then the banks, or did you kind of- So I, I had a, a buddy who was good at private equity, right? Mm-hmm. So, But nobody really wanted to give a, a guy who had no beer store experience mm-hmm. um, private equity money. Mm-hmm. I'm sure but, you have beer experience though. Uh, drinking, yeah. <laughs> I was really good at the drinking Did you part. brew, like homebrew at all I yourself? I did. Okay. Uh, but I would- Homebrewing doesn't qualify you to own a, a business. Right. Um, in Some fact, people it think be. it does, but no. It's <laughs> like being able to cook and then somebody goes, oh, you should open a restaurant. Correct. It's like, uh. Yeah, no, and, and I was a very mediocre homebrewer for the record. So okay. I was never like, you, <laughs> yeah. people who start homebrewing and like, oh, I'm going to open a brewery. That was never me. I, they, no, I would never sell anything. Yeah, so you go that's how I was. I'm like, this is barely drinkable. Yeah, it's no. drinkable. And you know, on my best day, I made beer that was passable, right? <laughs> right? It's like people would think this is beer. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when your friends don't dump it out, you're like, all right, yeah, home run. Yeah, it's <laughs> good. Yeah, crushed it. Um, so you're out searching for money. Yeah. So long story short is he helped me create a sort of a pitch, right? So he helped me put all the, like I own business already. So I, I knew how to build spreadsheets and, you mm-hmm. know, but how, how, how do you, get that hook into a bank at a time where they didn't want to lend any money at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so he can help me finesse that. And uh, bank number 33, the, the, the private bank, and I'm still grateful for them out of Chicago, stepped up and, and gave me a loan. So this was a smaller bank? Uh, Pri- yeah. 
private bank out of Chicago. Well, just because yeah. they're private doesn't mean they're small. I'm just, uh, I think I'm that's just more saying. of a name as opposed to a you know, culture. I How much you missed <laughs> your payment? We're going to press the vague a little bit. I, <laughs> I, was I know, right? No, it's a real thing. Uh, they, okay. they had just opened up in Georgia and were trying to, you know, they didn't have a lot of lending business and they so, were a little hungrier and I, I'm a lot grateful. hungrier, I would think. And oh, nine. it took somebody, right? So right. Uh, they, they stepped up and gave me a loan and then I, I leveraged every bit of equity in my house and uh, took the second mortgage out on that. And wow. cause that's what you have to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So between those two sources, I was able to put all the money together to, to make it happen. Were you married at the time? Or, I don't know. Yeah, I've been, uh, yeah. Married uh, 27 and a half years now. So you go back and you tell your wife, <laughs> I got nothing else going on. I got this business plan and now I'm going to put a second mortgage on the house because do you believe in me? That's more or less the conversation. Yeah. And what she's, no, it's uh, not all the conversation. Well, yeah, there was quite a bit of conversation. Uh, yeah. No, she, she was not a big fan. Now I, I had successfully sold a, a body shop. So mm-hmm. there's a, a slight track record, but this was a whole different shebang, right? Cause yeah. you know, retail, first off the margins on retail, eh, right. not so great. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, body shops, the margins are a lot nicer. So, and there are people who want to own body shops where uh, I don't know if you go out there and shop ever. Nobody wants to own a retail store. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a difficult business to be in. I spent most of my career in retail, so I, yeah. I know it very well. Yeah, so it was uh, it was a little bit of a reach for the bank, for her, for for everybody, and I had two young kids, so it was like it was a leap of faith for sure. Mm-hmm. Swinging oh. for the fences, huh? Yeah, well, and I don't do anything halfway, and if, since you've been in Hop City, you kind of know that. It's yeah, uh, we opened oh, yeah. <clears throat> we opened and we had the largest selection instantly in the state of Georgia. Um, and we still do for that matter. Um, but if there was back then in 2009, there weren't that many breweries back then, right? In fact, craft beer as a segment was only about 6% of the market. Yeah, it was small. Right? It only it had only been a couple of years before that where we had raised the alcohol level. It used to be 6%. You guys remember those days? Yeah. Uh, oh, it was capped? Yeah. At six. So Well, that's why we find, used to go to Canada growing right. up. It was like, we're going to Canada, we're buying Bedours. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. Dos Equis Triple X. Or not Dos Equis. Is it Molson or Labatt? Molson. Uh, Labatt. Labatt. uh, Yeah, Labatt had the high gravity. Yeah, the the Triple X, right? Or whatever whatever they called it. Yeah, yeah. I remember we used to go get that. It was awful. Oh, it was terrible beer. But (laughs) but it did get you crunk, right? (laughs) It did. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Tawny Victories. Um, But no, this knucklehead would have been illegal back then. Sure. Um, So here we are in Sunday sales, no no go, right? So it was a completely different environment than we are today. There were four breweries in all of Atlanta, right? Um, Oh, they had blue laws back then. No Sunday sales either. No Sunday sales. So it was a a weird time. We've come, it's hard to believe, my 12th anniversary is in April. And in 12 years, Georgia has come light years ahead in terms of alcohol laws and sort of what is allowed. You know, you couldn't ever sell things out of a brewery. I mean- Back yeah. in the day, we used to go to the Sweetwater tour, tour, I'm using my air quotes mm-hmm. for those. Buy your ticket <laughs> and then they'd let you <laughs> sample. Ticket, yes. And mm. they never took the tickets and you just drank until your face fell off and it was <laughs> awesome. Um, but, but yeah, that was the, the, but it was, you couldn't sell, the brewery could not sell beer. So they hope they could give you beer, but they couldn't sell beer. So they'd right. sell tours. So I remember that way. Well, yeah. When I moved up here to Georgia, that was a great day, like six years ago. And we'd hit the breweries and it's like, buy your tickets and, or a glass. You can buy the glass, yeah, you're buying a glass. and then you got so many, yeah. supposedly, as you said, only so many tickets. You can try don't. some. Right. <laughs> and then you get the beer tour and you're like, yep. okay, I'm standing here. And oh, there's my tour done out. Exactly. Yeah. Enjoy your glass. Mm-hmm. So you had a, you had a friend obviously that helped you. Um, he was in PE and 
he helped you with your pitch, but he knew how PE looks at businesses. You knew more of the beer side and kind of what your vision was. Correct. How did those things kind of come together for you in the plan? Well, so, uh, so I knew again, I had, uh, I've been to an, a number of stores elsewhere in the country that, mm-hmm. um, so I kind of had a sense of what things would look like, but I wanted to supersize this, right? So we opened into right around 5,500 square feet, which if you have been to Bruce Nails, <clears throat> it's like 1,500 square feet, yes. maybe on a good day. Um, so 5,500 square feet, like if you're trying to figure out what the size of that is, it's like half of a Best Buy. Right. Oh, I don't know about that. It's twice the, the size the, of my The showroom of a Best Buy. Maybe I mean, the showroom, yeah. They're it, about 10,000, okay. 12,000 square feet. I mean, that's- It, it was way bigger than it should have been. Yeah, so I've I mean, learned a lot big. of lessons. And first where off, was your I first location? Uh, <laughs> over in uh, West Midtown. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so I picked a good spot. It was right next to what ended up being five seasons, the brew pub. Mm-hmm. Um, Crawford Moran, who's a phenomenal brewer. In fact, one of the original OGs of brewing here in, in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, Octane Coffee was across the street. Yep. Best coffee in town. Um, and so they had some taps. So we, we called it the, the uh, Beer Muta Triangle. Because right? <laughs> it was, uh, you know, you could get your coffee and your beer, and then you can go get, you know, Crawford's beer and a wonderful food, and then obviously the souvenir for later. It's a good yep. location. That was smart. It was awesome. And obviously it's that the demographics there have changed a bunch, and now there's a bunch of high rises there, and nobody wants to drive there anymore. But mm-hmm. so we actually have since closed that. Yeah. Um, but um, the good news is that we were able to take that one spot and parlay that into other things. So we, um, I learned pretty quickly that uh, I would never make enough money owning one retail store. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason that when you own convenience stores, you don't just own one convenience store. You own like 10 of them, right? So figured that out pretty quickly. I also figured out that um, if we were open, and of course, six days a week, we talked about that. I was there, right? So 10 a.m., 10 p.m., it's 12 hour days. I'm there, you know, six days a week, 12 hour days. That wasn't going to work for me long-term. Especially yeah, if you're trying to scale, that's not going to. Correct. So I, I, I figured out that the team of four probably wasn't going to be enough. So I, I hired a couple people and then we opened, my second spot was in Birmingham, Alabama. Why Birmingham? You ask. I do ask. Okay. Why Birmingham, Craig? <laughs> You're the best. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. It's Darren. Oh, well. He seems like a super nice guy. I, I can follow the lead. But I got to give him to. shit because yeah. he's Darren. I, uh, <laughs> see how he had to dumb it down for me so I would actually <laughs> ask him a question. I want you to ask me a question, Darren. And he asked <laughs> No, question. it was awesome. See, I, I've only met Darren today and I already love the guy. So he's- uh, Yeah, he's uh, he's our he's our podcast whipping boy, but everybody sober. loves him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so my- um. My friend, Tony, who, uh, Tony Riffle, who owned Octane Coffee, he comes back from a trip to Birmingham one day. He said, Craig, Craig, you got to come to Birmingham with me. I'm like, why, why would I do that exactly? Oh, I'm going to open a, an Octane over there. It's the best. So I get over there and he literally, we drive together to, to Birmingham, Alabama. It's only two hours, right? So easy. Yep. Um, there's nothing. So the best beer store in Birmingham, Alabama before I opened was a Piggly Wiggly. That's the answer. Yeah, that's pretty sad. Yeah. So here we have, I mean, obviously there are a number of retail players who've over the years done a phenomenal job on beer, right? I mean- And Birmingham's a cool town. Like that's really surprising. Well, and it was, was, so I didn't, I don't, had never given Birmingham a thought, right? Knew nothing about the town. And yes, it's a very awesome city. It's a really music centric city. A lot of great venues. One of my favorite racetracks in the country is there. Barber Motorsports Park. Oh, very cool. Yeah. yeah I mean, it is super fun. It's the awesome. Largest selection of motorcycle or a collection of motorcycles in the country, I believe. Very good, man. Yeah. This guy knows his shit. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. They have the, the motorcycle museum at the racetrack. It's just, really cool. Just turn my mic off. I'm done. <laughs> he asked his question. He's there. added his value. And I just Where, Where's the cricket thing? I need that because yeah. that's how I'm feeling right now. Um, like this. Yep, that's me. Yeah, that's <clears> um, um, But no, it, it was a super awesome city. I, he, he, he hooked me. I, I got there and I'm like, you're, you're right. This, this is exactly yeah. the market that needs a hop city. And so we opened our second one. Actually, it's a funny story. So um, went, went back to the private bank. Um, you know, they're legit. I promise. Um, <laughs> and, uh, they gave me a loan, but it was it's not, it's not Tony bag of donuts. It's not, it's not, uh, he, he may work there, but he may, uh, <laughs> he may be on staff, yeah. but, but I, I never met that guy. Cause I always made my, they are FDIC yeah. insured yeah. Yeah. collections. Uh, but, uh, so they gave me a loan again, right? cause yeah. the first one was doing okay. And you know, we were making a little bit of money and not a lot of money. Um, yeah. So, but it was much less of a loan than, than I wanted. Um, so we opened on a, a shoestring. We're like, what wine is on sale this week? We're going to buy that stuff. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. But uh, we, we sort of touched on it a bit, but we didn't really talk about it. So Hop City for the longest time was also a homebrew shop. I don't know if you remember that when you were. Yes, um, I went there. I totally forgot about yeah. that. So we were. Yes, I was there when it was in Midtown. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. So we did beer, wine, and home brewing. Oh, I know where it is now. Yes. Sorry, I've been to. I yes. Okay. Awesome. It's all coming back. I've been to me in now. a couple <laughs> of your locations. I just don't realize it by the time I get there. It's like. <laughs> well, there's a lot of beer involved. And I'm I not driving, well, by the way, when yeah. I usually show up at one of your places. I actually took a brewing class. Yeah, I used to teach the brewing class. Um, Holy shit! You did. You taught. I just now put. Yeah. T- you were the guy. We were in the parking lot. The yes. mediocre I used to brewer. Keep out, out. Dang it! Holy well, shit! I cannot believe I just now realized yeah, it. Teaching homebrew class. Well, so so you I'm know. I'm sitting here trying to figure out why he looks familiar. Yeah. You taught me how to brew beer. Aww. Yeah, I used to do that. I'm, this I'm dude a, taught me how to brew beer. How freaking I, crazy is that? I'm a really good teacher of things. I'm a like I said, I don't have the patience to be good at brewing, but uh, but boy, I can teach a class. So um, it was awesome. I cannot believe. I'm getting older, so you know oh. memories come back fleetingly. Oh, and you're halfway through that six point four slash eight and a half percent beer yeah. you're drinking. Mm-hmm. My wife and I actually came and went to that class. We, it was like date day on Saturday. Yeah, we used to do a lot of that. Like, um, it was awesome. Man. Oh, yeah, we, we it's so much fun. We used to drink beer and brew beer. It was awesome. Kelly endured Son a, of a brewing class. Oh yeah, it was her idea. Oh okay. Yeah, she found it. Man, I cannot awesome. believe yeah. this is such a small world, man. It is. Well, especially beer. The, the beer community yeah. in Atlanta is pretty tight knit. That's totally cool. Yeah. So, uh, you had so homebrew. We had homebrew, beers, we had beer and we had wine. And then you mentioned, yeah, shoestring, uh, best profit on right. wine there. So, so I'm, I'm going to actually step my story back just a smidge. You could do that. We'll let you. Thanks. Thank goodness. It's a podcast, right? Oh, hell you're you can do the, whatever the hell you you're want. You're the guest. You're allowed to do whatever <laughs> yes. you want. So, <laughs> um, so, so we, we taught homebrew and actually there are 10 or 11 breweries now where just like, like that, somebody took my class, got the bug, started homebrewing and then realized, wait a minute, I can really do this for a living. So a lot of like Monday night was a client. Um, I mean, I have a lot of really, no Jason kidding. from Orpheus there, was a client. Like I have a lot wow. of people who now own breweries. Oh, you that can started, teach. You are a good I'm, teacher. I'm a good, then. well, trust me, they way better. Brewer, good teacher. Right. Well, at least <laughs> I'm good at creating, I'm, I'm, if you haven't figured it out, guys, I'm pretty passionate. Yeah. So if nothing yeah. else, I get Those people, who can do, those who can't teach. Exactly. Yeah. Right? You follow the rules. I, I, so I am, in fact, if you open the dictionary up for that definition, that's me. That's you. It's Craig <laughs> holding a beer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Halfway through a beer, you know, perfectly happy, right? So. That is so cool. Gosh, that was years ago that I took that class. I cannot believe How that. long did you have the homebrew 
So we got, when we business. closed the first store, the, the Midtown store, mm-hmm. uh, after 11 years, we, we got rid of a homebrew. Um, what we learned is it's become very much a commodity driven business. So yeah. mm-hmm. people buy, you know, bulk ingredients online and, you know, uh, the, the Amazon phenomenon, yeah. not that they sell homebrew, I don't think, but um, that phenomenon really kind of took, took our legs out a little bit. I think I took your class in 2012. Nice. That was awesome. That was the year That's we opened crazy. Birmingham. You're yeah. still stuck. Can I you? am, dude. I'm, I'm totally blown away. I gotta hit your record player and let you, you know, the needles from <laughs> skipping know. and let's get you playing forward. All right. So I do, I actually want to take you back even further than that because okay. one of the things we've kind of glossed over is it's very easy for you to say that you opened in 2009 as our session. But like, as I think about my own experience in 2009, that was a terrifying time. Oh yeah. Because I had lost an enormous amount of money in my retirement. And I was, so just as a, as a personal side note, no, no, no. Oh no, it's better. It's better. So I had, I had my portfolio set up and I had, you know, most of my money in the safe part, you know, the part that's supposed to grow at 3% and that's safe. Well, what I didn't know, because I'm going to, well, I shouldn't name the name of the company, even though it's huge that managed my IRA and 401k, but, uh, they had this this fund that was the majority of that. Mm-hmm. And they were invested, about 75% of their investments were in GM bonds. Oh, oh God. Yeah, I didn't so, tell you this part too, dude. I, I used to be a stockbroker. I was a financial planner uh, for uh, for Morgan Stanley. And um, hopefully that's not the company, but uh, no. if it is, I don't know that guy. No. Morgan or Stanley. I don't, <laughs> I don't know him either. <laughs> they don't run in my circles. <laughs> uh, but that's that's sort of where I got the money to, to open my first business, the body shop. And- so I've have had a very career. So I can relate to what you're saying. Yeah, dude, yeah. I was shocked. So the part that was supposed to be safe yeah. lost the most money. Yeah. It went to almost zero. I'm like, what the hell is going on? So, uh, you know, going back to that time. I'm sorry. I really am. That's horrible. Oh, it's, it. you know, whatever. I mean, everybody got hammered Hence back then. That's the reason he was often at Hop City after well, that. Oh, I was going to say, was- this is why he does podcasts now. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, to add insult to injury, so- Back then when they were talking about like the top 10 zip codes in the country that got hit with, with real estate depression, I was in one of the top 10 oh, in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so Iowa. Like, Ohio. Uh, no, I was in Florida. Oh, I was in Florida too. Yeah. So we were one Both. of the top 10 zip codes. I, I sold my house for like 35% of what oh, I bought man. it for. Yeah, it was awful. It, it was a rough year. I mean, it, we, I was very fortunate. I mean, I had... Um, that I, the house I had, I lived, lived in Toco Hills and, and so that didn't lose really any money. I mean, maybe a little bit, but not, you know, I already had my second mortgage. So that wasn't mm-hmm. screw you mortgage company. Yeah. <laughs> I already got mine. Come get your equity <laughs> yeah. out of this place. Uh, so on. no, it, it, yeah. it was a really, really frightening time. Um, I'm just wondering like what goes through your mind in a time like that, where it's so uncertain, people are losing money. The real estate market is really back then it was still like nobody knew Mm -hmm. we were trying to all these things the government was trying things to stimulate the economy nothing seemed like it worked and you're like yeah i'm going into retail oh i know and and the job commercial real estate you're kind of skipping over (laughs) the job loss thing i mean something like 11 percent of atlanta was unemployed at the time which even now you know we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're not at 11 percent right i mean we're but it was brutal it was a rough rough Two years, really. If you um, can't trust your investments with somebody else at that point, right? So your your investor confidence is down. Invest in you yourself. Well I get that. Yourself, but what's so. going through your mind, man? That's got to be like a crazy time. And you're trying to talk your wife into this? I mean, I have, I mean, like I said, I've been married almost 28 years and I, I really do have a partner and that that's important. That's important. Um, 
and she had a full-time job. She was a structural engineer, right? So she was, she's the smart one and the good looking one. So I, uh, and I, we already, oh, somebody else in the room that married up. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> um, hopefully Kelly's listening. Uh, I hope so. Love you, honey. I married up. See, you're the good looking and smart one. <laughs> um, so it, something it, tells me that got me no brownie points. I don't know, but I know the dove <laughs> is going to attack you when you get Probably. home. Jealous. Yes. He has a dove that's in love with him. A dove, like a, like a, a bird. Well, actually, or the, true yeah. story. Okay. True story. Yes. Wow. Yeah. It's don't ask, please. That, see, I think that's, that's another, we have, we, we're, we're, dude, we've got I'm so many back episodes. tomorrow. We're going to yeah. do like yeah. five more episodes uh, this week. <laughs> the listeners are probably going, would you please get on with it? So, <laughs> Uh, but no, yeah, it was, it was a horribly frightening time. And, um, oh. the easier answer would have been just to go back and have a, take another collision repair job and, you know, write estimates for a living. And, um, but I, oh I'm just gosh. not that guy. I just didn't, I'm, I'm relentless uh, for better or for worse. So I, I had this idea. It was going to work. There was no room for failure. We were mm-hmm. just going to make this happen. And it, the reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up and I brought you back to it is because so many times we'll talk to people that are in your position and they've been successful and you talk about that time, like, yeah, it was, it was awful. And you do it with a smile on your face, but when you're in it, it's like the worst thing ever. And I think that's one of the things on this podcast that we've always been very honest about is, man, when you're walking through the fire, it's fire. Oh yeah. It's freaking awful. Oh no. I, there were days like, you know, payroll day was my least favorite day. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, cause everyone's like, Oh, payroll day. And I'm like, yeah, we're oh, getting paid. It's I like, sure oh, hope, I, I, hope, I sure hope that's going to work out. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, um, I hope they clear cash that on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it, we were very lucky and I'm, um, I had people literally, I had retired people who would come in and work for free. Like he would, I, this guy, Mike, he was a cardiologist retired, um, way overqualified to stock beer on shelves. Um, he came, he worked, he didn't, he never cashed a paycheck. I'd pay him, you know, mm-hmm. with eight, $9 an hour or whatever it was. He, he never cashed a check. Um, really? yeah. And I had people who interned with me. I mean, I, I took, if somebody said, can I help? I was like, yes, please. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. done. Um, the hand trucks over there, get, get started. Um, <laughs> No, it was like, it was just, I scraped it by and I, you know, I'd forego my own paycheck just, and sometimes I'd have to go into my meager savings account to move money into the the business bank just to cover the payroll. But, uh, but you, you do it. And Mm -hmm. I had a vision and the sales numbers sort of bore that out. In your business plan, when you pulled it off the shelf, you dusted it off, you, you had the one location. Mm Mm-hmm. In your plan, did you have growth expansion in, included in that, or did that come after you opened yeah. it up and realized that, oh shit, my margins, I'm not going to make it with one location. I got to change this thing. Yeah, that was a total holy shit moment. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, because I'm thinking, all right, great, I'm going to sell you know two million dollars worth of beer and it's 28 percent margin and my rent is here and my payroll, oh, I can make that work. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did, we did all of that, but the margins are, I mean. Not super 28%. skinny. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't enough. And the, the more, the busier I got, the more people I would need to, you know, yep. run the store. And, and so I'm like, shit, that's not, that wasn't part of my budget. I didn't have a fifth guy or a sixth guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden Sunday sales happen. So I'm like, Oh, now it's a whole nother day a week. So it, it just, um, the one store didn't, didn't work. Now I will tell you what saved my bacon though. Um, growlers. So, Growlers became legal. In fact, we were the first place in Atlanta to do growlers. Um, I bought many of growlers from your first store, which I've never put two and two together (laughs) that that was Hop City, but. 
Yeah, no. Yeah. So we, we, when we first opened growlers were part of my business plan. I, I did not really appreciate how popular they would become so quickly and then how unpopular they would become not too long after that. But, um, that all said our liquor attorney, um, went in actually whole foods, um, shared the same liquor attorney and gratefully whole foods paid a lot of that bill. Um, cause that's nice. That's really good. Well, not from any, you know, yeah. interest in me as much as it's <laughs> right. not so, out of the kindness of their heart for Craig. So, you, <laughs> yeah. so you're coming to me subsidized. Perfect. Yes. So my liquor attorney said, Hey, I, I found a, a business who is as interested in growlers as you are. Oh, and by the way, they're well off and <laughs> sold. Let's do this. Uh, so it was, uh, there was a, a, a growler shop out of Athens, Georgia. It was myself and it was Whole Foods. And, uh, and that's how we pushed that through. Um, no kidding. Yeah. And it was funny because everyone thought that we'd have to go to the legislature. So nope, we didn't do that. We went straight to the Department of Revenue. Now you guys already know, I'm sure you've heard all the stories. So, so the people who run the liquor business or the, the beer business, it's not the breweries, it's not the retailers. It's the distributors. It's distributors, right? Mm -hmm. So they were okay with this idea because it meant selling more, more product. Sure. So literally if they're okay with it, the department of revenue is okay with it. Mm -hmm. So all we got, we got a one page letter from the department of revenue that basically read, yeah, you can do this. Um, and we took that letter, put Good it on enough. the wall and yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, uh, so you, pre, you having been to my, both of y'all having been to that original location, mm -hmm. we, we wanted to do this right away. We're like, okay, it's legal today. Can I serve a growler tomorrow? So we drilled holes. I was there at like three in the morning, drilling holes in the side of my walk-in cooler <laughs> and then I, I installing shanks, like setting up a draft system. So 10 o'clock the next morning, we were able to open for growl. We had 16 taps. It was super janky. It was- uh, What year was that? Oh gosh, that was probably 2011. I was going to say- two years I, after we opened. Mm -hmm. it was, yeah, uh, I was going to say, I think open. I was there right after you guys did that because I went in and got the foamiest, shittiest growler oh. I've ever had. I, I've learned so much about quality <laughs> control after that first day. It was- uh, And it was delicious, by the way. Oh, I mean, and we were like so, so happy fresh. to have it, right? Yeah. We uh, thought we were going to be profitable with these growlers, but we're losing Well, we, What's they, going on? They saved my bacon. All right. That's because good. that really, because your margins your on margin. a growler are way higher than that, you know, 20 25 to 27%. I'm beer. Uh -huh. Of course, it's more like 20%, right? So we're not, beer wasn't paying the bills, even though I was selling a ton of beer. Yep. Yep. Growlers helped pay the bills. And I had a line out the door. We launched Monday night, which was draft only at the time. And so we launched we had the three beers. They had the um, drafty kilt and they had the, the pale ale. Anyway, so we put them all, it was like, come and get them. First place you can buy them anywhere. Wow. And there was a line from the back of our store out the front door. That's awesome. Yeah. And then everybody thought, wow, if Craig can do this <laughs> and so uh, growler shops, do it yeah. much better. Yeah. <laughs> growler shops popped up everywhere. Yeah. That's interesting. So now I'm, gosh, I'm putting more pieces together. We actually interviewed the founders of Monday night, mm -hmm. um, like a year and a half ago. It's been a while, nice. but I remember game? them telling us yeah. that they, they actually launched in distribution first before they got the brewery opened yep. for direct sales. And now I'm seeing that this is so cool. Yeah, they um. So they were homebrew customers. They'd buy bags of grain, and then yeah. of course they had a homebrew club basically out of their mm. garage. It was a Bible study. It was Bible study <laughs> turned homebrew. Yes, that is all true. Um, I know it's so yeah. funny, man. And it, so you know their original location right down the street from our original Hop City, and then yep. we opened our fifth. Gosh, I lose track. Fifth location is over in West End, mm -hmm. and it's at the, where the garage is. So yeah. So are you guys finally? You guys were actually the last time we were there. Well, last time I was there, that was, you guys were 
in the process of opening that location there at the West End. Yeah. And, and we- By the garage. It's a phenomenal location. It's it, great it's gentrification fun. going on in that neighborhood slowly. Mm-hmm. It's, and well, and the pandemic, frankly, has set that back a little bit. Yeah. It's, um, but uh, I long-term, I believe in that. Yeah. I mean, if you I'll want our it. support, we could we I'll could take all the support. There. Please. I mean, Jake's got a truck. <laughs> you can fill it up. I was just in the West End location a few weeks ago. Nice. Thank you. Met, met somebody there for- Drinks and food. And? It was awesome. Yeah, thank you. Okay, good. You said awesome. It, oh my, I love place. it. All right, do it. we have to pause the show for a second? Is there a, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's good. That's legit feedback. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've been a fan. So the, the West End location is the one that I go to the most just because it's, well, I mean, there's the one in Fayetteville, mm-hmm. but I don't, I try to avoid that. So I'd rather go up to like the garage area and, and hit Hop City. Love that store, man. Thank Make you, you so much. Like the millennials when you're up there, you feel a little. No, I don't feel any younger. I okay. wish I did, but I don't. But they've got you've got the restaurant upstairs, and then you've got the beer shop downstairs. It's yeah, and we have awesome. 68, 72 beers on on draft between upstairs oh, and downstairs. Crap. That's the one thing I love about yeah. your place. It's like and always changing too. They never uh, there's yeah. like one tap, and that's Narragansett that stays on all the time, and that's because we use our for we beer better our, our fish and chips. So. I need a, ah, I need oh, a beer batter and it, people do like Narragansett. So it works out. So what win-win. I realize is I can't start on one and try to drink my way to the other end of your taps. It just, even I believe Irish I like that you yes. <laughs> couldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to mark it off. It's like, okay, the last time I was here, I ended there. And so I'll start next there. But, um, so you've got this whole thing. You're sitting there, you're the growlers are the thing that helps you. Right. Growlers, that, that was the most money the I made in a single year owning a single shop was the year Growlers became legal. When you decided to go with the Growlers because you're like, conceptually, this should work. Right. How long, how much time were you going to allow yourself to let it go or pull the plug on it? Go, okay, this is either it's working or it's not. And if it doesn't work within this time frame because it hasn't gotten traction, mm-hmm. I'm pulling the plug on this one. Well, I, so you didn't do that. <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't believe in, I don't believe in saying no to things. Not uh, when your house is on the line. Indeed. So uh, no, no, I, this I, will work no matter what. So I'd been in other markets and I knew growlers would work. Mm-hmm. I, I was confident growlers were going to work. Okay. And they, they did. And what killed the growlers was the, the success of growlers. The crawlers. Uh, well, no, just growlers. everybody and their brother decided they wanted to open a growler shop uh, right. within six months of, of Hop City and Whole Foods and doing it. And now many of those places have turned into tattoo parlors and massage parlors. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a flash in a pan for sure. But, um, um, but that all said it, it helped establish that as sort of a financially viable spot. Probably. I also think that helped elevate the craft beer scene. Yeah. Oh, I think so very much. Um, and we all learned a lot and I think now we can all agree that I I'm drinking a perfectly great crowler right now. Um, exactly. It's a 12 ounce, uh, growler (laughs) full of really awesome line Creek beer. And, um, you get Super the point. fresh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, the fact that cans became ubiquitous really to me, mm-hmm. uh, sort of the initiation of sort of the downfall of growlers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. we, there's, it's so easy to get good beer now mm-hmm. where back then you, there are a lot of beers that were ordering draft only. And it's only easy if you go to the right locations, not the Piggly Wiggly in Birmingham, Alabama, oh. which I'm sure that, you know, their high caliber beer was what, Bud? <laughs> they had a, a shockingly robust selection. Did they? They really did. But I mean, not like Hop City robust, but like not, grocery yeah. store robust. Sure. Mm-hmm. But I would challenge you with this. So you guys shop, I don't know if you go to grocery stores ever, but um, my local Kroger probably has Kroger's 200 card. SKUs now. Yeah, they have a great selection. I, and it's 
because it turns so fast, it's almost always in date and fresh. And mm -hmm. um, the need for Hop City is perhaps lessened than it was 12, 12 years ago. No, I, I would argue we were even more. necessary. You guys are still needed more. Well, hear me out. So we kind of changed our model. Uh, mm -hmm. So if you've followed us over the years, we started out, like I said, retail only, mm -hmm. you know, beer, wine, home brewing. Just you come in, you buy it, you get the hell out. Um, and then when we opened Birmingham, it was funny. It was really kind of an accident. I opened this humongous 60 tap growler bar. Growler <laughs> bar, right? Cause 16 that's, tap growler bar. Well, cause and I thought that's what people wanted. Was that in 12? That was 2012. Yeah. 2012. And okay. uh, the first guy who walked in and I'm like, yes, first customer. He sits down at the, well, they didn't even have seats. He just kind of bellies up to the bar and he goes, I'll have one of those. And so, oh, 32 or 64. No, just a drink. Yes. He just, <laughs> he's like, no, no, I just want a glass. Huh? Well, that's brilliant. Hmm. Let's figure out how much we had to literally dig through. Like, a, Sure. I've got a Dixie yeah, cup here somewhere. Yeah, we had, a, we had <laughs> you know, because breweries give you things when you open. And so we had boxes of glassware, we, you know, whatever. So we're like, hang on, let me run this through it. Cause we had a dishwasher for the growlers, right? You're in there adding the skew to the point of sale. Literally, we were like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm not sure how much we're charging you for this, sir. What price sounds fair right. to you? But, but literally that's how we did it. And yeah, very quickly did I realize, holy shit, people actually want to drink beer, but they shop for beer. Um, yes. Right. And so that's how I got into the bar business. Try before you buy. <laughs> totally buy. And that's, wow. that, that was, that was the idea, right? Yeah. Um, so I had sample glasses. I had little four ounce glasses, plenty of those. Cause I assume people didn't want to try it and then buy a growler and get so out. You invented the flight. <laughs> Uh, I didn't invent it, oh, but okay. no, I am. <laughs> but he's capitalized on it. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was very, I've learned almost every good lesson I've learned, I've learned the hard way. Um, and that was mm. a good lesson is that um, to make the margins work in this business, you really have to be an on-premise and mm. an off-premise. Um, so we've learned the bar subsidizes what we do in retail. So if I'm going to have 2000 beer skews on retail and turn it all fast, I have to figure out how to pay for that. So uh, the margin comes from the people sitting at the bar drinking and it's a completely different business model for you. Right. And, and we smushed them all together in a way that I think feels organic and natural. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so we're not trying to be a, like a dive bar or like, we, we just want to be the kind right. of place you go and talk about beer. We don't have TVs. We don't have any, you know, it's, it's the idea is you go in, you, you find a neighbor, maybe you don't know yet. And you're going to say, Hey, what are you drinking? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm drinking this. Well, what are you drinking? And that that's, it worked. Well, I told you, yeah. I have some friends that I, I went out of the country kind of on a boys trip. And most of that boys trip was drinking beers around the world that, right. you know, it was, that mm -hmm. was, that was our thing. Yeah. But we would actually meet at Hop City just to, you know, wow, look at all these beers from different areas. And it's cool because you can have a beer while you're shopping and it's like a whole destination thing and it just works, man. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you probably have like one four pack of La Fin du Monde on your shelf that has sat there forever because who the hell would buy French beer? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's Canadian. No. Um, oh, is it Canadian? Yeah. French Canadian. It is French Canadian. That's I mean, fair. it does say La Fin. It does. The end of the world. It's a phenomenal it's beer. It's a good beer. It, yeah. It really um, is. And so I, it doesn't sit on the shelf because I make people buy it because I, I think it's that good. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But, but yeah, so no, it's, you do this on the fly. All of a sudden you've got this new idea, kind of, sort of, right? Right. Because yeah. it presented itself and you're going to capitalize. Right. So after a couple months, we were like, all right, from now on, this is what we do. Mm -hmm. So to take, to get that idea back to Atlanta, 
I had to literally apply for another license because in Alabama, they have a, an on and off dual premise license, Okay, uh, which is kind of cool, right? That's how we knew we'd be able to give people tastes because I had, I'd have a great, another great Alabama story, but we'll, we'll save that one for a second. Um, so I had an on and off dual premise license. Um, and so I'm like, all right, great. Now I can just sell beer. Um, but in Atlanta and Georgia, they don't allow that, right. or at least they didn't at the time they do now. Um, so I had to divide the hop city store. Remember that 5,500 square feet. You notice there's like a wall in the middle of it. Um, yep. if you remember, so that is the dividing wall between on and off premise. Mm-hmm. And so we applied for an on-premise license on the homebrew side of the store. Um, because those two were compatible, right? You can tell homebrew, no alcohol yet. Uh, and then you can have a bar. So essentially we were licensed as a bar and as a retail store side by side. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I remember that drink on one side and then go, where can I buy this now? Yeah. Over exactly. there. Right there. <laughs> How about that spot right there? Yeah. I've heard that store next door is really good. Did you Kinda just like, walk through that door? That's actually in the building. Right. Kinda, mm. One way in one way out. <laughs> there's like only a, one way you're getting out of this and it's through the retail. It's like when you get off the ride at Disney and there's all the yeah. gifts there. Oh, look at that. Yeah, it's uh, it's <laughs> funny you say show. that. That's how, that's how I pitch like what we do now. That's how I pitch it. It's uh, we're the gift store at the end of the amusement park. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. That's really interesting. And I You're think that's smart. Oh, well, this is no, such my a good, wife is smart. This is such a good <laughs> point because I think a lot of times in don't, I don't mean any disrespect by this at all, Craig, so don't take it that way. But I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, it's not that we've thought it through. It's that one day opportunity bonks you over the head and it's like, shit, I got to rethink everything right now. Yeah. I've, so in the body shop, industry, they talk a lot about the Kaizen concept, sort mm-hmm. of like a Toyota. Yeah. So it's throughput, right? And mm-hmm. so, and then you should constantly be innovating. You should never be said like, oh, we do it this way. No, that's never, that Kaizen is never, yep. that doesn't, an, that answer doesn't count. Right. So I've, my entire sort of hop city career, we've been like, okay, great. This is what we're doing now. How do I make that better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every really cool change that has come to hop city, whether it be our restaurants or, or the, the accidental beer bar or whatever, that's all been sort of like, okay, great. Now we know, boom, Kaizen, we're doing it this way now. Mm-hmm. So you, you open up Birmingham. I love that phrase. What's that? Kaizen. It's great, mm-hmm. great term. Well, it's great funny term. because in, in my real estate business, we're going through this incredible growth phase right now. And the whole thing that, that sparked what happened was not something that I thought about. It wasn't deliberate. It just landed in my lap. And it's like, oh shit, this is a big opportunity. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it made me rethink everything. It was no less scary and it took a ton of risk and all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't like I was really smart and had everything figured out. It's like, it was almost like God bonking me over the head. Like, hey, dude, dude, dude. Yeah, he had to hit you <laughs> Come a few on, more man. times should, than you're admitting. I know. No, but that's There's an opportunity so here. And say, times oh, you're I should carpe do that. Diem yeah, okay, going through your saying. mind, right? Carpe diem, <laughs> yes. carpe diem. I don't speak Latin. I don't Manana? understand. <laughs> or... Today, okay, <laughs> yeah, no, that that's the the Hop City story has been innovation and like you said the the bonk over the head that said, all right, this is what we step we we're going to start doing this now. But at least you have the your. It's the, rare because we've talked to so quality, many. Yeah, for well, you to have that peripheral vision and to actually embrace it instead of stonewalling it and going, no, it doesn't matter. I'm going, and that's where entrepreneurs fail. They always do. I mean, it's like. It doesn't matter. It's not part of my vision and I'm not deviating from that. And we well, are- it's like so many, so Darren and I have talked to so many entrepreneurs on the show 
And it seems like that's one of the things that a lot of them have in common. Many of them, it's not really deliberate. It's like, oh crap, something happened. And what can I, I mean, I'm thinking, of, I don't know why he came to my mind, but Corey, oh, yeah. you know, he's got this successful yes. tattoo parlor or shop or whatever the hell. Parlor what do you call it? Parlor shop. Sorry, Corey, it's if I've Sinoy, offended you. Sonoy, Georgia. If you yeah. ever want to get a really great tattoo, like one of the go see best it. tattoo places around. And when we listened to his story, it was like, it was not that he was sitting there like, I've got this great idea. It was literally like the shop was closing and, you know, he's like, I think there's an opportunity here and just did it. But yeah. you got to know when it's there and you got to be willing. He knew he when could it, do it better. Yeah. And when it does hit the, you, you got to be committed enough mm-hmm. and you have to recognize that opportunity and strike because I don't think right. the opportunity lasts long. So you knew there was no craft beer. You knew there was a place that needed, this had to happen. You knew that you weren't going to be able to open up a brewery because you're a crappy brewer. You're, you're a great teacher. <laughs> I'm giving you credit. No, no, I, I'll, then, I'll take it. You, you nailed it. There's a recession and you don't know what the hell, you know, what else you're going to do, except you don't want to go back into claims adjustment because who right. would, I mean, no. I appreciate the folks who do it, but I would want to put a hot poker in my eye just about every day I had to go to work if that was my job. It, it is definitely not the job you want to do for the rest of your life. So, um, and yeah, I would have been a three steps back in a pan in well, panic in a, in a recession. I, I, I wasn't prepared for that. Also, I, I, timing I, is a key here for yeah. you. Because well, there, there was nothing here. We had no, there was no craft beer game back in 2009. That way, but legislative timing and everything else mm-hmm. as Georgia was opening up, you were on the, it's like Glenn was the same way. Well, but know? I think, but it's all open. And I don't know if you were, part of that influence that helped change things to make it a little more acceptable? Or if you just, you know, kept shoveling beer to legislative committees that would really appreciate <laughs> it. And it's actually a really good question. I don't know if I was part of what led to the revolution, if you will, mm-hmm. or if I was simply on the wave at the right time. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know the answer to that. Oh, I think you're certainly an influencer. And I, and I, I also think the other thing, I think when you look back, you can say, oh, timing was great. But at the time, anybody would have told you, you're out of your mind. This is the oh. worst time. Well, 32 banks absolutely <laughs> told me that. Yes, uh, that is true. Got- I mean, there were so many of them were polite about it, but right. but yeah, they, yeah. no, the, the mandate was definitely not in my favor. Sure. Yeah. But you, you learned and you improved on um, like employee, managing your employee hours. And when you- opened up in Birmingham, you went, I'm not going to make this mistake. I'm going to do it. Although you did make one, but you fix that on the fly. Yeah. No, I aren't going to work. We need to serve. Well, and growlers do work and they've, well, they've I been mean, successful, they did, but, but yes, it was uh, that the market wanted something mm-hmm. in addition to what we were providing. And, and we, we pivoted very, very quickly. Into and that. you understood staffing at that point a little better. Oh yeah. Cause we weren't staff. We didn't have any, there was literally not a bartender on the staff, right? right. Cause we were all a bunch of beer nerds. Right. So yep. uh, and you can't go back and forth two hours every day right. to Birmingham and your Atlanta location. No, I couldn't. So uh, you got that under control. We actually imported the GM and actually in my, my AGM, I, the three key employees came out of Atlanta and were willing to move to, to Alabama, which I, I couldn't be more grateful. So now that brings us 2012, second location. Now what happens? I'm going to tell you one quick story. Please. I like stories. I love Take stories. Take as long as you want. Oh, no, I'll be quick. So uh, so we talked about beer, wine, home brewing, mm-hmm. and, and that was sort of the three t- pillars of, of Hop City. Mm-hmm. So at the time in 2012, home brewing was illegal in Alabama. 
one of two states in oh the country that was Oh my gosh, I forgot illegal. about that. Yeah. You're right. So I had, um, you know, of course that's one of our things. We, we, we wanted to be part of that. So I went to my uh, ABC, at the uh, alcohol guy, and I'm like, hey, I want to sell some stuff. Uh, I'm going to sell some grain. Is that cool? I'm going to sell some hops and I'm going to sell yeast. They're all different things. There's no, you know, I'm not telling people you have to homebrew with this. <laughs> right. You know, I'm just saying they're for sale. And if you choose to do something people with it, use, use hops to make soap. Right. Well, I mean, you could, and grain, I mean, you, it's Alabama. You probably have a chicken in the backyard yeah, or something, sure. right? Yeah, they're hungry. Um, Feed your livestock. That's exactly. That's what we're selling it for. Yeah. So, um, so I sat down in the office and he's like, okay, cool. Yeah, I, I can see that. It was a younger guy and really kind of forward thinking. And he's like, sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a problem with that. So, uh, so we build out our spot and we buy all our inventory and, um, we are literally, I'm down at the office to pick up my permit and that guy, the young forward thinking guy, he's not there anymore. turns out he got promoted because he was, he was good. He was smart. And then his old boss is sitting at the, in the desk across from me now. And he's like, boy, what is this department over here? I'm like, oh, well, so you're selling bags of grain and we're selling uh, bags of hops. And he's like, boy, you know, homebrewing ain't allowed here. And, uh, you yes, don't sir, I'm, those, do you? I'm aware. And I, you know, I gave him a whole <laughs> song and dance, the sales pitch. And, uh, he just kind of nods his head and yeah. And then I leave without a permit. He's like, I'll bring you your permit tomorrow. And he did come by that next day with a van and guns and <laughs> yeah, guns, guns. And so he's, I gratefully wasn't there cause I probably would have lost my mind. Um, cause I'd gone back to, you know, I would have lost Atlanta. more than my mind at that moment. Um, so I'm, I get this phone call, this panicked phone call from the GM saying, Hey, I, I have some ABC guys here and they have guns and they, they're knocking on the door. What should I do? Well, you should probably let them in. <laughs> let them in. Yeah. And they caught a coffee on first. Yeah. Be nice to they filled the van and they said, whatever is um, still here tonight, um, or in the morning, if it's still here in the morning, I'll bring a bigger van. So they confiscated all your grain and hops. Yeah. And every- yep. True story. Mm. And so I drove out that day in a box truck and I went to the, the hop city and I loaded all the shit in the back of the box truck. And I went to a local brewery cause I figured, well, they can't confiscate it at a brewery. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he came back the next day, all that shit was gone. He gave me my permit. That is a, that's a true story. He wow. took it, but then gave you a permit to sell it. Not after. homebrew, beer and wine. Beer and yeah. wine. Because that's legal. Gotcha. That's they, crazy. They actually did an episode of, um, what's that show on uh, Vice Channel? They they had a beer show. Oh, oh, that was, gosh, that was your episode? It was about they did an episode about it, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. But so I called, like, so while he's there, literally my next call is to the, the, the local paper. And I'm like, you won't believe this. This is what's happening. So they put front page news in, in Alabama the next day. Homebrew shop, you know, raided, confiscated. It became, so they changed the laws. In three months, it became legal to homebrew. Because I think, I don't think a lot of people realized it was not legal. And so the state legislatures was, was like, why? You, you, you can have a brewery, but you can't brew beer? That doesn't There's make so any sense. so many people at home going, Oh shit! What? Because well, it, it's, no, it's the dumbest. I mean, no, no home well, and a beer. lot of the homebrew stuff you bought over the internet back then. So oh. I'm well, sure so many like kind of pre. I mean, yes, you did buy um, like, like rebel brewers, and, and there, there yeah, were things yeah. you bought for sure online. But yeah. a lot of, I mean, homebrew shops were sort of the. That's yeah. how you figured it all out. Probably what it was. A lot of people at home weren't brewing beer. They were just like, oh, we can brew beer now. 
<laughs> so we, we, we could take our time with the moonshine out back. That's not yeah. a problem, but no, it, that, that was, cow. it was probably the single most just outrageous thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, a yeah, negative yeah. thing. Um, that's crazy. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I would have been, I think when I was sitting with that guy, I would have been like, in what church do you go to? <laughs> and how much of a donation is this going to, what to yeah. your church? I'm not, not bribing you. I don't you. think it would have mattered with that guy. No, no I, it no, wouldn't have. Was, um, but I hired an attorney to basically smooth the ruffled feathers mm-hmm. and it cost me like 3,500 bucks, which I didn't have. We just talked about all the money was super tight, but um, yeah, he, he smoothed everything over and Damn. we never got our stuff back. Um, so I don't know what that guy's doing with a bag screen and the hops and the, the yeast, but I hope he's having fun with it. Well, his <laughs> livestock sure. is probably happy these yeah. days. Yeah. Livestock. So, mm-hmm. True, yeah. true story. The question I just asked, but you continue. Yeah. So you, you can answer um, it while I get up for a sec. So Darren's going to pee right now. That's literally what's happening. No, oh, that's, he's taking a, he, he's uh, getting a cup of coffee. I don't know. Even though I tell him every week, pee first, like empty the bladder. <laughs> this happens all the time. Well, it's crazy. It's the beer thing. It is. It's uh, totally it, the beer it gets thing. me too. It does me too. So um, I want to kind of fast forward and give the punchline today. Your, your company is very successful. How many locations do you have? So we have five locations mm-hmm. uh, and we've expanded, uh, as we just talked about, being flexible uh, into the restaurant business. So uh, Barley Garden up in Alpharetta was our first restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, much like everything else, sort of be, by necessity, uh, the city of Alpharetta doesn't allow bars. So if I were to open a bar in Alpharetta, I had to serve food. So if I was going to serve food, I was going to do it the right way. I wasn't going to just, you know, cold fish sticks or anything. So, so when did you guys open Barley Garden? Gosh, that would have been three years ago. So, um, 2018, 2018. Where did, where did you guys open that? 2017. Uh, in, in uh, Avalon. Phase Avalon? two of Avalon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's really nice up there. Oh yeah. It's super fun. And, uh, and we've been fortunate that the client up there loves us and we've, we've been successful there. Small, small restaurant, 2000 square feet. Um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, so like a dummy, I'm like, well, shit, I, I did it once. I can do it a second time. <laughs> right. So, um, I mean, I didn't, I never, like some people are like, oh, my dream my whole life is, is to open a restaurant. No. Don't dream that. That is, well, it was never <laughs> my dream. My dream was to drink beer everywhere I can drink beer. Yeah. And to do that in Alpharetta, I had to have a restaurant. Yeah. Um, so we opened our uh, second restaurant uh, about, well, I guess it's two years ago in, in March uh, in West End, mm-hmm. the, the, the boxcar. I ate at yep. not long ago. Um, and, and we love it there and we have mm-hmm. awesome neighbors. Wild Heaven's one of our neighbors, uh, Best End Brewing and, uh, and of course and Monday night. whiskey shop. And ASW, yes. ASW, yes. Yeah. Oh man, they're great. We, uh, we brewed a beer with, uh, with Monday night called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And we aged it in <laughs> ASW, right? With, oh, that's cool. You yeah. aged it with ASW. Yep. Oh, that's really cool. And, uh, oh, so good. Anyway. Um, yeah. So uh, let me go back to, so the, the, Gosh, the restaurant business is so different. Oh, it is. Than everything you've done. I had to learn a lot of lessons. Yeah. So was that kind of like, let's do it? Or did were you doing a lot of prep before that, trying to figure it out? I, I did a lot of, uh, um, well, so the probably the best decision I made was um, I uh, grabbed one of my friends. Like, you have, you have to have good friends. And to do anything successfully, you, you should have friends. Yes. <laughs> a lot of them. Uh, so Kevin Oots from the Spotted Trotter is a friend. And- um, I said, Hey, would you mind helping me with this project? So he became on, came on board and he helped me start the culinary sort of that process and, uh, helped me with staffing and just sort of. Did he have a a background in that, that business? Kevin Oots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, uh, he owned at the time he owned a restaurant, 
Uh, and he, I mean, he worked in restaurants for 20 years and, okay, gotcha. uh, and of course best butcher shop in town. So, yep. um, anyway, so he was very helpful and I, I couldn't have done it without him and, and just our amazing, we had a great team of people who we, we brought on board who many of them were already part of our team. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I've, uh, fortunate that I've, I'm either a good salesman or, or something because I got people to move from our other locations up to Alpharetta to, to get that going. Yeah. So, and then, uh, then. So um, how did the launch go? Oh, it, well, that's a good story. Uh, so, uh, so that landlord, um, they had decided, so there's phase one of Avalon, there's phase two of Avalon. Mm-hmm. Phase one had opened like eight, nine years before that. Um, the reason I went up there is a, a couple of my restaurant friends did open on phase one and were like, Craig, then they invited me phase one and they, they, Avalon was like, Hey, you should open a place here. Yep. And I'm like, ah, oh, no, it's Al- Alpharetta. It's that's the suburbs, man. I, I'm, we're a, I'm a city guy. So I passed and all these restaurant guys were like, oh man, it's, it's the best. You really need to do it. So phase two opened up and I'm like, all right, yeah, you, you twisted my arm. But, um, the guy, the landlord wanted to open everything in phase two on the exact same day. And it seems like a great idea on, wow. on, on paper, right? Um, no. Well, <laughs> I mean, like for, from a customer, like I, like you look yes, at, no, I, I get it. I it always try to tell like my team. It's a logistical nightmare. Yeah. But. Look at things from the customer side. Sure. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to create a great customer experience, you open everything on the same day. So we had an Apple store opening. We had the Levi place. We had everything opened April, whatever it was. Um, but uh, logistically it was a, a nightmare. So we all were trying to build property at exactly the same time. When Avalon, when you went into Avalon, was it, I mean, just the skeleton, did you guys have to like oh, help yeah. put in the, you know, the, the yeah, it was, plumbing and everything else, or was that already there? Cause a lot of dirt. times it was just, just dirt, just dirt. Uh, they didn't even have a street. So they're like, you're going to be in the middle of the street. I'm like, okay, cool. Where, where's that street? Oh, well, just got to use your imagination. It's here <laughs> it's be and here. it's here. Um, and you have 2000 square feet. So good luck. Um, no, it was, yeah, we, we literally built it from the ground up to spec. Wow. And, and obviously there's, you, you know, real estate guy, we had uh, a tenant improvement allowance mm-hmm. to do a part of that. And um, yeah. Uh, we would have gone great, except we all wanted the same subs. So if you wanted to paint the walls, guess what? That same painter was doing like seven projects and, uh, pretty sure the Apple store had more money than we did. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, so it was, uh, everything was like behind schedule and I was not the worst case. I mean, cause I, we were done on time, but barely by like three days, but there, the, the Asian place across the street, he, not so much. He's literally sitting there building chairs like the day before. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah, I don't have any furniture and I need to open tomorrow. So he pulled an all-nighter trying to put chairs together. I'm like, oh my God, dude. Uh, why, anyway. oh, wow. why did you buy Ikea? Those things yeah, took forever. That's no, don't, don't do that. Hire a temp, anything. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was nuts. Uh, it was a bad, ultimately, logistically, it was a bad decision, but it did the customers. You want to try that, by the way. I have to do Ooh, this. can I do a commercial for this? Yeah, what yeah. First off, what do you see on the side of that? I see oranges. Well, no, it's a Hop City, City logo. Hop City. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. Sorry. That's a Hop City beer right there. Yeah. So, well, it is and it isn't. So, um, it's a collab. Uh, we talked about people who are our alumni who have gone on to open breweries. So, uh, Elsewhere Brewing is one of the newer Atlanta breweries. Uh, they opened about uh, six months ago, also in a pandemic. Um, and, uh, Sarah and her husband are a Hop City alumni. And, um, this is the very first can ever of this beer. It came really? out yesterday. I, I, I pulled it off the truck to bring to you guys. Oh, wow. 
and it is a, uh, the name of the beer is called cutie and you can kind of guess where the we're going with oranges. that. Yes. It's a hazy love those orange things. infused Clementine IPA. I haven't even tried it yet. So. Oh, you brought two of them, which is good because not, I won't pour the whole thing. I'll save part of it, but boy, that's got a nice nose on it. Mm-hmm. Nice. So funny story, uh, Avalon. I've been talking too much. I haven't had enough of my yeah, beer you yet. Yeah, drink. Sorry, my bad. Um, the worst date I've ever had in my life was at Avalon. So my wife and I, we had, a, it, Levi was a baby and we, for the first time since we had him, we, we got a babysitter to go out on a date and we're like, oh, we finally get a date night. And so I think it's uh, Ted's Montana Grill is right there in the front. Yep. So we, we went in there, we go, go up to the bar, we ordered a glass of wine or a bottle of wine. Guy comes over with the bottle, pours a glass, we do cheers. And then the babysitter calls uh, the baby's projectile vomiting everywhere. Check, please. I'm like, oh, God damn. Man. <laughs> uh, can I ch- Can I get this in a to-go cup, please? So literally, we're like, can you pour it back in the bottle for us? <laughs> and we'll take the bottle. And he literally did. He's back there behind the bar, like uh, pouring the wine back into the bottle. And we took it home. It that is uh, uh, tragic and hilarious all at once. Wow. That is That's really, really good. good. Oh, it's nice and dry. Dry. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You get that, that hint mm. of the, the clementine that's coming through. Yeah. Well, I'm, well uh, done, I'm so guys. glad I could share that with you guys. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I really like that. Wow. So where'd your love, love of beer come from? Um, I mean, other than it being <laughs> awesome. Beer. Well, but it, you're, beer. you're a little bit more studied in, in, uh, I'd say more of an aficionado than most. Uh, well, maybe I, I think there's a lot of people out there who, uh, who share my passion, I hope. Um, but no, it started back in the, um, when I was in the Coast Guard, actually. So I was in the Coast Guard in the eighties, um, cause I'm old. I'm, I'm 53. And so we, Not that old. Oh. I'm 52. So you're oldest guy at the table. Good. I'll take <laughs> it. Um, so I'm in the coast guard and, uh, and travel around other countries and you're like, holy shit, these people know what the hell they're doing. This beer is amazing. So I started keeping a, a log, right? A journal. And uh, you know, of course there was no internet back in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I literally been right into their notebook. All right. Wells bombardier. Right. Um, and a couple of tasting notes and then do I like it? Do I not like it? That's how I got started. And really? it was just going to other countries, drinking beer that was so much better than the beer I had at home. And it was just, I, I blew my mind that there's this entire universe. Like at the first, the beer that officially blew my mind was a Chimay white, right? The, oh. the six cents. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. First beer I had that I'm just like, holy shit. Holy shit. That's what beer's supposed to taste like. I had yeah. no idea. This, this <laughs> right. isn't, this isn't Moosehead. This is really good. Don't knock Moosehead. I like Moosehead. Well, I mean, because we kind of thought Moosehead was craft beer. You well, know, we was, didn't know yeah, better. We're like, oh, yeah. that's a premium than beer. Molson right? Golden Ale and the other stuff that was coming. Now, growing up in Syracuse, New York, mm-hmm. yeah, it was like. Or like Jenny Cream of Syracuse, <laughs> right? That's what you drank at the bar because it Jenny was cream. like, you know, $2 pictures Our of Jenny mats, Cream. Mats, you know. Oh. But no, when I, when I lived in California, there used to be, we could stumble home from this bar. So we knew that if we were out drinking, I'm the driver. So we would finish at this little hole in the wall and on their premium beer list, and this is back in the nineties with Jenny cream ale as a pre- oh, yeah. <laughs> premium. That's my point though. Like, so oh, some Moosehead Heineken, yeah. you know, Corona, these were your premium Love choices. Yep. Yeah. That, and let's be honest, not, no, no. I hope they're not sponsors. None of those are premium beers. Well, no. most of them that you're naming are Canadian beers as okay. premium beers versus what was brewed in America at the time. Right. They, they so, were more expensive, but that yeah, didn't make right. them any better. In no. fact, arguably no, they, they were, were perhaps still. worse. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So, so I'm drinking this Chimay and right. in, in, in the eighties and in Europe and I'm going, 
that's that is life. This is what everything should taste like ever. So that mm-hmm. lit the spark. I mean, that. for sure. And then I, I was insatiable, man. I, I, everywhere I went, if it was a beer I'd never heard of, I'll take that one. Oh, well, sir, that's a, you know, barrel fermented sour. That's uh, bring it. I'll take it. Mm. Like I had good beer. I had bad beer. I, I you, you, how long have you guys lived in, in Georgia? I've been here since 2011 yeah. ish. Okay. Yeah. Six years. So back in the early 2000s, there was a, when the, the law changed and you can get higher gravity beer. There's actually a, it's a upstate New York beer, a Druid fluid. I don't know if you ever had it long, mm-hmm. long out of business. It. Oh, the worst beer you've ever had in your life, <laughs> but it, it was nine and a half percent, dude. So I was wow. in, I, wow. if, if there was a can I had never seen before or a bottle or anything, I, I was that guy. Yeah. Well, Syracuse did jump on, they were allowed to jump on that a lot earlier when they did a renovation of downtown. So it was like, you had the blue tusk and there's a lot of other empire brewing mm-hmm. and they were all there. So their laws were a little bit ahead of Georgia yeah. here. So well, there's a lot of better beer coming out. It's like, Oh my gosh. I mean, going back to Syracuse to visit, I was just like, Oh, look at where, where do we, where do you want to go today? It's like, well, we're going to, you know, armory square, of course. Cause I want to drink all this good beer yeah. while we're here. So, well, you you've actually so the timing you got into your first store at two thousand and nine. Correct. You've actually presided over what I've referred to as the the American Renaissance in craft beer mm-hmm. because it's interesting. Over the past decade, I've done a lot of international travel, and ten years ago, the beer scene outside the U.S. was amazing. It's like you'd go to these other countries, and it's like, wow, this is what beer is supposed to taste like. But now I think that we've got one of the best beer scenes mm-hmm. in the world. Oh, I, I think most Europeans would agree with you. Yes. Uh, they want to come and drink American beer. Yes. Um, although that has not always translated into American breweries having success opening like, like Stone right. and you know Berlin and what have you. That yeah. Not all that works, but that all said, they, 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 may, they may not admit it, but they all love our beer. They um, do. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. What I, what I really love about it is that you know, overseas, you've got this history and tradition that you can't get here. But then you come to the U S and you get this amazing beer that you can't get anywhere else. Well, we we've, because we don't have that tradition, we're willing to throw almost anything into a beer. Lucky Charms favorite flavored beer. (laughs) Uh, I mean, (laughs) which is delicious. Edible sparkles. I mean, like, right. Yeah. Some of them are a little, I mean, they're reaching a little like, too far sometimes. No offense to the claw, but I mean, come on, dude. I don't yeah. want to eat that. That's uh, out. Uh, uh-huh. but, well, um, in Ireland, it was just the opposite. I mean, uh, we were up and down the whole West coast of Ireland a few years ago. And of course you have Guinness, which is delightful. Right. And, and so much better there. Mm, oh, oh God. Yeah. Like that's actually, I'm like, it's that, the water. <laughs> what yeah. happened to the Guinness in my country? I can tell I you it's made in Canada. No right. offense to Canadians, <laughs> but um, right. it's not even the same recipe. It's yeah. But so your Guinness, man. your Smittics, your whatever, right. but you're in the local pub and you're talking to the locals and hanging out and then like, you guys are drinking Coors Light. <laughs> I know. You it's, know, it's either Guinness or Coors Light and there's no in between. And then you ask them, well, what about Bud? And they're like, no, we don't drink that shit. And I'm like, but, but you're you drinking like the Coors other shit. Light. <laughs> but, but you go to Amsterdam and they're like, oh, Bud Light. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, yeah. no, that's not or cool. Or take the Heineken tour. Yeah. <laughs> As you said though, you have a Coors Light over there. It tastes different than a Coors Light here. So I can I admit that I've never had a Coors Light in, in Europe. Yeah. Well, try it once, but yeah. it didn't Why? mean I went back to it again. <laughs> it's just, yeah, but it's interesting. Like, I, um, there's been so many places that I've been to that are so influential. Like, you know, we were talking about Belgium before we started recording and, you know, Belgium was like, wow, I'm in Belgium drinking Belgian beers. And some of them were fantastic. And some of them can't tell. I'm looking at you. Not so. How about a good check? Oh man. But, in, 
like in the Czech Republic, Czech yes. Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Oh, so fresh. Hell yeah, dude. So amazing. Just yeah. simple, dead simple. Right. And like, that's what a Pilsner supposed to taste like. And like, then um, like Cologne, Germany, Kelsch, you know, they come oh, strolling up to the table with that holder and all the glasses. And it's just, there's a vibe. There's a, a culture around the the history and tradition that we would never be able to match here because you don't have the hundreds of years. Right. right. No, I agree. There's um. so if you're just, if all you have is American craft beer, you're, you're really missing, I think kind of missing the point mm-hmm. uh, that the history and the tradition of, of beer and brewing is, I mean, the chances are the guy who is your brewery owner is probably also the mayor at your small little town in, in Germany or, or Czech Republic or wherever mm-hmm. else, because it's that, it's like a revered thing. Like, Oh, that's the family that owns the brewery. They're, right. they're amazing. Like it, it's a special place. Yes, it really is. And it's, it's part of what I think has made this podcast and in the events that we've done special because have you ever seen the, uh, the documentary, how beer saved the world? I have seen that. Yes. It's a really cool documentary. And uh, I was, my eyes were opened when I watched it because I had no idea, like, you know, way back in the day when you couldn't get clean water, they were giving babies beer because it was the only way they could get any type of liquid that wouldn't kill them. I mean, that's, uh, uh, at least the story goes, that's how uh, mankind survived the bubonic plague. It's exactly right. Yeah. But today it it just serves as this, this, you know, social um, web, this fabric that pulls people together and creates memories and you know, and I, I think about some of the great events that we've done, some of my um, friends that I've made around the world, it's over a beer. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's why when we, for the longest time we didn't have TVs, um, I've had to relent because here, especially in Fayetteville, they needed a TV. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, I do get crap for not only having one TV, but. Um, Tell you what. Yeah. If um, you, if you start bringing in European soccer and stuff or European football, mm-hmm. and on, you'll have a great following that'll come. Join you, but I, I sure. like the idea. I mean, I, I don't want it. I want I, I want to make new friends. Yeah. Like to me, right. that's this is a talk? liquid courage, if you will. This is a, a, sure. a lubricant, right? Social lubricant, not, not in a weird it's, way. Um, no, it's exactly <laughs> right. That's how we describe that's how it. You describe it, and that's what we talk about. You come to one of our networking events. What better way to get to meet people than over a beer? And mm-hmm. it's not because it not uh, because you're wasted, like Darren, right? But but the simple <laughs> fact is, it's a. <laughs> The best part is he didn't even blink an eye. I was like, yeah, yeah he's like, on. I know. It's, it's like, so. when am I not wasted is the question. <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a good introduction to, it's a great conversation starter. Mm-hmm. I can walk up to you and not know you and just go, Hey, Craig, what are you drinking? What do you think of it? And now the conversation, you're on a common ground. All and those weird things that you were like, Oh, what should I talk? It's all gone. Yeah. It's just, yeah, what are it's you like drinking? We're talking about beer, but so you have that, you have the spark back when you're in the coast guard. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're keeping this list, which has turned into, and I want you to, you know, give us kind of the whole story of how that evolved. But now that passion you get to share with everybody else by the exorbitant amount of different varieties of beer from, as Jake said, all over the world. And people do, you get to introduce them to a Czech Pilsner, a great Belgium, a great, you know, heifer vice or whatever it might be. So I'm sure that makes you proud that you, you get to do that and probably trips your trigger every day when you get up and you get to talk to somebody and go, try this. This is amazing. Like a Le Fin du Monde. Indeed. Yeah. No, the worst part about where I am now, and I, I shouldn't, I'm not trying to complain, but I've grown to the point where I can't actually be the guy on the floor talking about beer all the time. Does that bother you sometimes? It does. I hate it. Oh. I'd rather be that guy. 
um, when I hire somebody, like even a, like a part-time team member, mm -hmm. I'm always like, you have the best job in the company. Um, you get to literally for four hours or eight hours or whatever period of time, talk to people about beer and wine. So do you like, and I'm and in wine? the ERP system. So fuck off. <laughs> yeah. And, like, and meanwhile, I'm sitting in the back receiving invoices or whatever yeah. I'm doing. Right. So it's just, yeah, it's, it sucks. That's the best job in the company is the guy who gets to talk about beer and wine all day. I don't, yeah. I no longer have the best job that said, um, you I get the a, best company. Well, and I'm, I'm really proud of the company and the team yeah. we have, and I, I get to hang out with you guys and drink beer with you. So it's still, yeah, totally works. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it, it's funny. We, had, we were talking about this with a guest, uh, I think it was about a month ago. Oh. And it's really funny because when you get into business, you know, always you start off with your passion. Mm -hmm. And then at some point you start to realize like, I got to do these other things. Yeah. I got to do accounting. Like what? Yeah. I thought I had an accountant. Then the accountant's like, yeah, well, I need information from you, pal. If I'm going to do your accounting, it's like, well, shit, I got to get in spreadsheets. And, you, yep. you know, then you're doing all these other things. But I think if ultimately, even where you're at now, where most of your work is HR and finance and all this other stuff, you still get those moments where you, you go out and you're like, even if it's five minutes, like that made it worth it. Like I'm, I'm good. Talk to one person and oh. just talk about beer for a minute and you're yeah. You can't walk into a Hop City store if I'm there and not and escape me in a beer conversation because yeah. I'm going to do that. Um, I don't care how busy I am. I'm, I drop everything. Like, hey, it's good. I see you're looking at the the new foam release. Yeah, they're a really cool brewery. Uh, you know, out of you know Vermont. You're going to love it. Anyway, it's, I can't yeah, help that myself. That speaks yeah. volumes for you as the the founder of Hop City when you if somebody walks out. It's like Jake saying, "Oh my gosh, you're the guy who taught the." The brewery class that I learned, you know, the homebrew class that. and for you to take the time out of your day while you're doing all this other stuff and you, you know, by now you could be like, I'm above that. But because I'm sure you get as much excitement out of that exchange as that customer. Oh, I might get you more. Made, yeah. You <laughs> made their day completely. It's like, I was just talking to the owner of Hop City. Holy cow. This was awesome. And I'm used to, I'm used cool to when dude. I go into Hop City, my typical tab, Kelly, close your ears. It's about 300 bucks. Oh, yes. Um, oh, when do we go? But if I, but I'm, I guarantee <laughs> you, I guarantee you if Craig was walking me through the store, I'd add a zero. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I've been known to do that. Ding, ding, yeah. Ding, ding. yeah just going go. all over the store, picking stuff off the wow. shelves. Yeah. So you're at Avalon now. Let's go back. You're at Avalon yeah. three days. Boom. It opens. This is your third location now. That was Four. my, well, Krog market came. They were third. Market. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sorry. So uh, they were my fourth, that was my fourth location. Yeah. So that you're up. A, yeah. So you're up to six locations. Well, minus one for five. We closed the original location. Oh, um, right. Yeah. 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 So uh, no five spots and then the newest one right here in uh, on the South side. Mm -hmm. We, we love the South side. When did yeah. you add food? Um, in, when we opened uh, Alpharetta. Alpharetta. You were yeah. peeing Darren. Sorry. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to call him out. I mean, <laughs> I would, you, you should, everybody else does. Um, By the way, we're not, we don't have Mr. Winnie today. So yes, um, his chair is empty. Yeah. We miss him so dearly. He misses being here today. He's like, why did you schedule this he's, when I'm not yeah, here? And he's I, said, I didn't have a choice. Cutie right here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So to speak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Yep. That's an awesome one. Okay. So um curious. You've been in business now 11 years. What uh, are some of the best lessons you've learned? Uh, be flexible. Um, hire. It's all about who you hire. Um, they, I cannot emphasize even like the, the part-time team, the full-time, everybody, that's your mission. That's your voice. That's you can, you can't be everywhere at once. So if you don't have a good team, 
Like don't, don't cut corners on hiring. Yep. Uh, that's probably the single most important lesson I learned. Um, I, I, and you uh, learned it the hard way, like we all have. And I've, I've made some <laughs> clunkier hires, you know, I mean, yeah. for sure. And, but I've learned. And, uh, so now I know what I need in a team member. Um, good. Um, gosh, uh, make sure you know exactly where your money's going. Like I, to your point, I do my own bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. Like I have an accountant, um, but I don't want to take my eye off of that. Um, that's a big lesson. I don't think people learn. And yeah. I'm sure if anybody who's listened for a while, we've, we've brought that up a number of times. I learned that the hard way a few times. It's like, where'd that money go? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't have, and actually got voted yeah. out as a, as one of the founding members of a company because they didn't like that. I spent too much time looking in the books and well, asking like, Oh, how come we don't have profit? Yeah. No, <laughs> it's, it's Oh, important. you guys were spending that elsewhere. So yeah, that's huge. That's a great lesson <laughs> yeah. for anybody in business. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't, uh, and I think there's such a thing as over planning at the same time. Yeah. Um, make sure you know what your milestones are. Like if, like if you know, you have to hit, you know, your revenue has to be whatever, 200,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Make sure you know that. Like, what is your break-even point? How do you achieve your break-even point? If you don't hit your break-even point, what can you cut out of your 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 bottom half of your spreadsheet to make that work? Is there some expense you can do without? Or how much reserve do you have to Everybody carry you Everybody got a good plan until they get punked in the face. <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> uh, please, Mike, go away. That's just Mike Tyson. Nice. That oh, shit. Um, that's... But like, you know, when we opened our second restaurant boxcar, like we wanted it to be a little bit more of an elevated experience. Yeah. And so we knew what we, number we had to hit and we, we didn't hit that number. So I'm like, okay, uh, how married am I to tablecloths? How married am I to like linen napkins? Uh, the answer is not. All right. So that's, that shit's got to go. So, okay. I, I have to ask this and maybe you covered it while I was checking the thermostat. But, <laughs> so you have two restaurants now. Three. 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 Yeah. See? Three restaurants. You have no restaurant experience. Correct. Nor do I really necessarily have a burning desire to own a restaurant. So, and. But you have three. I can tell I you. three. Yes. Being in the restaurant business myself years ago. And I mean, margins, uh, inventory control, especially when you're dealing with food. Yep. Between theft and, and spoilage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And free, like. Comps. Did comps you, are my favorite thing in the whole world. Did you really <laughs> think this was like a, a great addition to, why is it there then? So did, that's a- Did that's you a, have one of those momentary laps of reason and you're like, hey, what the hell, this ought to work? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> it's a possibility. Right. No, it's, uh, so uh, we talked about how you how do you stay relevant in the beer business? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not owning a package store. Um, if all right. I did was sell package, um, right. I think I'd be out of business right now. Um so we've learned that you can't put all your eggs in one basket. So restaurants are an important part of the diversification. Um, similarly, if all you owned are restaurants right now, you might know this, there's a pandemic, terrible time to own a restaurant. So we would probably yes. be out of business if that's all we did. And yeah, we talked to Ashley about that one, Ashley Edwards. Yeah. So yeah, no, you have to have, uh, so it's an, to me, it was an, a, like your portfolio with, with diversification, mm-hmm. crappy bonds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got to have uh, a spread of, of risk. So is the idea yours for the restaurant? Well, no, technically it was city council in Alpharetta. <laughs> he wanted, said, he yeah. wanted to open okay. a bar and he couldn't do it. So yeah, without, the without the restaurant. Okay. Yeah. yeah right. they, so they, that makes, I, I get it. Yeah. So it was really a, a vehicle by which I could own a bar mm-hmm. without actually owning a bar. And then from um, there you did it once and you're like, Hey, this is kind of yeah. working out. And the weird part is we made money and I'm like, Oh, well, 
Well, nobody Clearly says I you can, can't. Obviously, yeah. that's why restaurants yeah. are open. So right, and it, it helps not being a restaurant. Like I, I feel if I were a chef, I'd probably be losing money. Did you bring a? a so you brought in people who yeah. found somebody who's an expert and like, I right. need to. This has got to happen for me to do this. So I'm trusting you. Correct. Yeah. So uh, Kevin Oots from the Spotted Trotter was our, our restaurant partner when we opened. Um, he was instrumental in setting up the SOPs, the mm -hmm. controls, if you will, to, to make sure right. we didn't have food shrinkage and um, we were not overbuying and not underbuying. And mm -hmm. yeah, it, there, it's a lot of moving parts in a restaurant for sure. That's a good way though, to get people to stay longer too. Cause I mean, like you said, you don't want TVs although that would make people kind of hang out and watching a, a game for a couple hours, but you want the conversations and the, the right. community and the experience amongst people, which is what yeah. it's really all about. No, but, it's a stickiness. That's yeah. how I call it. That's sure. a, you know, food, food, food is, is sticky. sticky. Yeah. And you see a lot of breweries and stuff. They don't yeah. have food cause they don't want it, but they'll bring the food trucks in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I, and people to hang out. So there are some like a brewery with a food truck or um, like truck and tap. That's mm -hmm. a good concept. Mm -hmm. Like where you have, you, you get to create that stickiness without the hassle of sure. having a, mm -hmm. a kitchen. Yeah. Um, yeah, those like are that. smart things. It's good. So yeah. when you go to open your next one, is it going to have <laughs> food as well or? Oh, don't tell my wife because no. I, I think. <laughs> so she doesn't listen to podcasts at all. So you're safe. I think I'm is okay. Yes, I think okay. we're safe. But, uh, but in all seriousness, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, this, this year kicked my ass. I won't lie. 2020 kicked my ass. Yeah. yeah it kicked um, a lot of people's asses. So uh, I, I went from, March 10th, I guess, through the uh, first week of September. And I did not take a single day off. I mean, not one. Um, now, mind you, where are you going? You can't go on vacation. It's not like- Right, yeah, yeah. That Europe, yeah. That, that trip to Belgium wasn't going to happen, right? So, yeah. um, but no, it, it was a grind. And it was, my job was not to be a beer guy or an accountant or any of these other things. It was to be the head cheerleader, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't furlough anybody. We didn't lay anybody off. Wow, that's awesome. We had to figure out how to pay 150 people. Man, and that crazy. was 150, yeah, 140 some odd men. Oh. Um, no, that was talk about stressful. Sure. So, uh -huh. you know, it, I, I probably aged five years this past year, um, but we're here and we're now, you know, thanks to PPP and, and, you know, that was a big help. Uh, we would have not made it without that. It speaks yeah. volumes, not having to furlough people yeah. like that. No, especially. I mean, we asked for a lot of favors though. I mean, somebody who was making 16 bucks an hour, I basically came in and said, all right, sorry we're not going to be open. The restaurant's closed. So you're going to make 10 bucks an hour. But my trade-off is I'm going to pay you your normal 40 hours. Just going to, I'm going to, I can only afford to pay you 10 bucks an hour. Yep. But, and I mean, gratefully everybody said yes. Um, and then it was, wasn't until much later we found out that the government would step in and pay you that extra six bucks essentially. Um, so, I mean, it worked out okay, but holy cow. Well, that's yeah, it was kudos a, though. You didn't take advantage of the system. No, like no, we never did. Didn't. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the only people who ultimately aren't with us are the ones who th themselves came up and said, I can't, now that you're reopened, I in good conscience can't go back. I don't want to risk my family's well being by being out in the, in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. I get that, you know, taking care of your mom or dad or whatever your case. Sure. Be. Sure. So that was the only people who didn't stay with us. Well, I think we may have to have you back to tell your pandemic story because it sounds like it's a, it's a big one, but, um, this has been really interesting. I mean, I love hearing your story and I'm it totally shocked that now that I'm remembering back, you taught me how to brew. Like, that's so crazy, man. Um, but for, for those of you that are in the Atlanta or Birmingham area, you've got to go to a hop city location. 
So you've got Fayetteville, if you're down here in the Southern tier, mm-hmm. Birmingham, if you're over in Alabama, and then the rest of your, you got Alpharetta and then three inside the perimeter, uh, right? Two inside. So I have a uh, Croc Street Market, uh, which is our busiest location. Um, maybe because, not so much pandemic time, but because you know, I'm there historically. Uh, and then a West End. Yeah. Over That's by right. the Monday yep. Night Garage. So. I don't know. I oh love, yeah. My math was off. Monday yeah, night, right, the two. Well, you get two great things, you know. Monday night and you over there in the West end Krog street market. I got to tell you is that's my favorite. Nice. And when I walked in, I mean, it's a smaller package store area, I guess. I mean, it's, it's It's a decent size. Don't get me wrong. Thousand square feet. There's a shitload of beer. There's a lot of beer. I mean, I walked in there Mm. beer and wine and I was like, (laughs) um, I I was tipping the valets (laughs) to help carry the beer out of the store after I bought it. And, and me. Yeah, and, and that's a pro tip so, when you go there, not, yeah. not pandemic notwithstanding, valet. Yes. yes. Yeah, always sure. valet when you go to Krog. Go, go yeah. valet at Krog. It's, it's uh, not expensive. It's like five bucks or something like that. It's totally it's worth well it. worth it. Yeah. yeah. But then drinking the beer, I mean, you've got the nice bar right there, which is exposed to the rest of the area. There's good food. Oh, but yeah. It's go get like, a Goose, go get a Fred's. Oh, yeah. Man. yeah. Oh, so yeah, good. That spicy chicken. I know. That's awesome. That is the best. I had Goose yesterday. It's the big, thick, spicy noodles. Oh, so good. And then there's that chocolate yes. place. If, We've done know. a couple of beer pairing events with that. Uh, wow. Yeah. I'm getting hungry and thirsty. I know, me too. Well, listen, man, we really appreciate you coming in, Craig. This has been awesome. I've learned a ton from you and uh, it's really cool to hear your story. So if you're in the Atlanta or Birmingham area, you need to go to Hop City. If you haven't, well, you're probably a knucklehead, but you know, that's okay. We're knuckleheads too. Or drinking a knucklehead. Or drinking, yes. Yeah, so, like me. Hmm, yes. <laughs> well, listen, man, this has been awesome. Appreciate you coming in. We will see you next week. See ya. <laughs>